Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Amen. Dr. Kenneth Levon Wallace Jr. Chata Aki Pani Imapali. So hello, all of my, my relations, my family. May the peace and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and with your spirit. My name in the Choctaw language, the Choctaw are people from the southeastern part of the United States and later moved out to Oklahoma, is Aboha Achihoa, which means the abode of Jehovah or the dwelling place of Jehovah as I walk in the way of Jesus. And in English, it's Dr. Kenneth LaVon Wallace Jr., a gift and a legacy from my father. But no one calls me that. You can call me Kenny. <laughs> my, on my mother's side, I am Choctaw. On my father's side, I'm Pawnee. And on both sides in the Choctaw language, I'm literally black man a lot, <laughs> which is why I look the way that I do. I'm African-American. And it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be with my family and friends from, from afar. And I'm blessed to be able to share with you just a little bit about uh, what the Lord has been teaching us through the book of Ephesians. So when God instituted the tabernacle and later the temple worship, um, he commissioned some perfumers, right? These ancient uh, uh, aromatherapists, if you will, um, to lead some of the parts of worship. And, and they, took, they took some fine spices and, and some resins from trees and they worked them into an incense that they would put on the altar that would mark the space for worship. It, it was, it was a, a smell that when they, they smelled it, it would immediately put them in this place of connection and worship of God. Did you know that God designed our bodies that way? God did that, right? He, he designed us so that the, the quickest way to affect change in our mood or in our emotions is through our sense of smell. I think it's, it's God's providence that we have candles everywhere, right? Like he sent the mosquitoes just so that we could smell the citronella right, that he's given us. Right? When, when a scent, those, those particles hit the, the olfactory bulb in the back of your nose, it sends electrical impulses into the center of your brain, the limbic system, right? And that, that system is where our emotions and our memories lie. It triggers, <laughs> it triggers these, these uh, emotions. So if you smell something good, it triggers a positive emotion. A happy emotion. If it if you smell something terrible, <laughs> my wife can tell you, it triggers a grumpy emotion, <laughs> right? a foul emotion. 
this letter, the the letter to the Ephesians, it was rent, written not just to the church in Ephesus, but actually to, to all the churches in that area. And the purpose, its intent, was to help the church to lean into what it meant to be a fragrant aroma to each other and to the world around them. The passage last week um, talked a lot about being one, right? So one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And the point is that if you dare to claim the name of Jesus, then you are one family. You are part of each other, forming a relationship that is eternal. And this is, this is kind of a new thing, right? Because unfortunately, we've screwed up this relationship thing. <laughs> we don't do it very well, right? So we, we messed it up when, when we chose to judge people based on what they looked like. Or, or when we chose to climb over people as we fought to get more and more money, right? We, we broke right relationship when we lied to one another and when we allowed bitterness and uncontrolled anger to dictate our actions. We spurn this idea of oneness that Jesus died for when we let our tongues have free reign to say whatever we want about whoever we want. We've walked away from right relationship and have become a stench even to our own family. And we've lived, the sad part is that we've lived in this way for so long that we think it's normal, right? It's, we, we think it's normal to be lonely. We think it's normal to have people angry at us and to, to be angry at them, right? We think it's normal not to know what the inside of our fellow church members' houses look like. That's not normal. One of the reasons that Jesus came here to earth incarnate was so that he could reestablish what normal meant for us. I love that term radical, right? Like Jesus came to be radical, to get to the root, to what, what is normal, right? And so he, it, he came not just so that we can embrace his, his death and burial and resurrection, these things that we proclaim. That is true. He did come. But he also came so that we could learn from the model of his life, the way that he lived. In Ephesians, Ephesians echoes the way that Jesus lived in right relationship with all of those around him. So I'm going to walk a little bit through Jesus' life as we, we reflect on this passage. So Jesus because he was a good scholar of scripture. He did his Bible study. He was following Zechariah 8.16, and he sought peace by speaking truthfully to everyone. See, deceit doesn't really work so well. I don't know if you've tried it. Deceit doesn't work well when you're in interdependent relationship with people. Jesus didn't live that way. He, he was following Psalm 4.4 when he got angry at things that needed to be righted, these, these injustices, right? But he never sinned in his anger. And then I, I know, know what you're, you're going to say, well, Kenny, what about that time when he took the whip and he flipped over the tables in the temple? He was angry then, right? Like he was, he was well, <laughs> let me tell you about Jesus. So he, he took that whip, right? 
he had to make that whip. He didn't come into the temple with a whip. He, w- he had to braid it. And he said, and I can almost hear Jesus muttering, oh, you think you're going to come in here <laughs> and turn my temple into a, a house of thieves? Oh, I got you. I got you. So that was, he was, he was biding his time, right? He, took, he was being intentional. That was controlled intentionality. And see, what he did, what he did when he started flipping over the tables and driving the cattle out with the, the whip, he never hit anybody with the whip, right? So like, when he started driving, he took... He took captivity of both animals and poor people and turned it into jubilee. He set them free. <laughs> that was intentionality. I call it holy mischief, right? That, that, that's not uncontrolled rage. He did that on purpose in righteous indignation. Jesus gave us a, a model of right relationship in his view of economics, he said, work hard. In Ephesians 4, 28, the word there is kopiau, right? Like this, this work hard. And it's, it's a, um, in, in Creole, they have a, a word is buke. <laughs> like it's this, this tiredness that, or this work that brings tiredness, that brings fatigue. It's not just like, I'm going to go to the store and work. It's like hard work. And this is, this is what he said. He said, work hard rather than take advantage of other people. That's how Jesus lived. See, he had a trade and a heart of compassion, right? He didn't just mooch off of people. Like, he, he worked. <laughs> His parents taught him how to work, right? He had skills that allowed him to bless those who were in need all around him. The goal of getting money, according to Jesus, is so that you can give it away. And we say, that's not normal, (laughs) right? Every word, moving on, every word that Jesus spoke was measured. Nothing was wasted. In Ephesians, the the word that they they translate into English is is, uh, corrupting talk, like have no corrupting talk. But the, the word in Greek there literally means rotten, right? Like it's putrid, right? Don't have any putrid speech, No worthless speech, stinky speech. Instead, Jesus spoke in a way that brought good news. The evangelion, the gospel. He brought the gospel to those who believed. And it's interesting because the words, it's, it's not just enough for our words to be good and true. Like we want that. But that's not enough. The, Jesus' measure is, are the words that are coming out of my mouth bringing grace and peace to people? Is it bringing blessing? He said to Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. Can you imagine? He was a tax collector. And he was cheating people. Everybody knew it. But Jesus said to him, I'm going to your house. He said to the man who is laying uh, lame uh, at the pool of Siloam, he said, what do you want? He said to this poor homeless guy, what do you want? Not, here's a sandwich because it makes me feel good. What do you want? He said to Peter, feed my sheep. Peter knew exactly what Jesus was saying. 
because he had just betrayed him. Jesus, by living this way, by, by putting on these, these attributes, he demonstrated the very character of God, which is by definition holy. And the spirit was pleased, was not grieved by the words that came out of Jesus's mouth to all those that heard them. So verse 31 then says, to put away bitterness. And bitterness, bitterness is a refusal to be reconciled, right? And so <laughs> we see this in, in Jesus' life. Like he's literally on the cross. He's been tortured and beaten to the point that you can't even recognize him. He's on the cross and he's praying for his executioners. <laughs> no bitterness. He was, he was on the beach. He was on the beach and he reinstated and forgave Peter. He forgave him and reinstated him. No bitterness for betraying him. Not once, but three times. Then Ephesians says, we need to stop with all the, the anger and the wrath, right? Now, this isn't, uh, my wife's a counselor, she'll tell you that, that emotions aren't necessarily inherently evil, right? Like, anger isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? But what, what this is talking about is, is uh, it's not righteous indignation. This is, this is passion, like, passionate outbursts that are based in personal provocation, right? This is somebody cuts you off and you're screaming at them from your car, right? This is, this is uh, uh, people taking too long in line and you your foot, right? Like, it's, or am I just telling on myself? Anybody else? Right? It's just me. That's okay, right? Lord, forgive me, right? So, next in the list, he says, uh, "You need to put away. You need to put away from you clamor." Now, people that know me know I don't like a lot of noise, <laughs> and clamor it does have this element of noise, but it, it's actually it's more than it's this. I am going to make a scene until you do what I want. So all y'all are going to hear my grievances. That's what clamor is, right? And so when people are acting this way, he's like, that is a stench. <laughs> Nobody likes that. It doesn't smell good, right? Jesus, when, when he came into this place where he had to decide, am I going to make a clamor or am I going to do something different? Jesus oftentimes just slipped away. There were times he just disappeared. <laughs> he wasn't there anymore, right? So he would say something and the Pharisees didn't like it and they all got upset and Jesus just was gone, right? He, he walked away. Or, or there were other times where he was just silent, right? But it wasn't that kind of silent like I'm a doormat. It was that silent like, <laughs> right? So think about, think about like when he was on trial before the Sanhedrin and they're accusing him of, of, of heresy and he's like, or Pontius Pilate saying, well, what have you done? Like, who, who are you? And he's like, <laughs> right. He let his silence speak. And he never spoke slanderously of anyone. He never spoke abusingly is how it's, it's put in the Greek of anyone. And the last, the last stench, the last stink is like, it, it, in case this list wasn't inclusive enough for you, the, the Greek has a word that includes 
everything else that's wrong in your heart <laughs> towards someone else, right? And in English, we get malice. That's what, that's what that means. If your heart is not right towards someone, it, it's, it, you're in malice. It's this catch-all word. He says, put it off. It's not going to help you become one, become one body. So if that's, if that's an odor, right, if those are odors that, that are supposed to be avoided, as Jesus did when he lived, then verse 32 brings us into this place of a holy perfumer, of a Christian aromatherapist, if you will. I'm excited because that's what I'm doing now. By putting, on, by putting on these attributes, you build right relationship and you establish a lasting sweet aroma that will attract other people rather than repel them. So number one, be kind. Now, this isn't the same thing as being a doormat and letting people walk all over you. That's not what being kind is. Being kind is putting love into practical action and valuing others as much as you do yourself, right? When they asked Jesus, like, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's being kind. And this is the, the, very, the word they use there. It's the very same word that they use to describe God in Ephesians 2.7. Who God is, that's who you're supposed to be. Be kind. Number two, be tenderhearted. See, right relationship is an issue of the heart. It's not just about what you do. It's not just actions, right? Because if, if you're doing kind acts for any other reason than from a, a, for a tender heart, if you're doing it from any other place than from a tender heart, it's like the, the synthetic perfumes that you can buy from the dollar store that are actually doing damage to your body. Don't buy those, y'all. <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's, it's bad for you, right? And, and it's so sickeningly sweet that it, it, it's trying to mask your funk, it's still there. Don't buy that cheap stuff. Go wash. <laughs> Number three, be forgiving. When, when you hold on to the wrong, this is why earlier I said, um, don't let the sun go down in your anger, right? So, so that's a, 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 an idiom, right, that sometimes we, we're like, okay, it means literally if the sun's going down, you got to hurry up and finish here. No, what it, what it means is don't ponder that stuff in your heart because the more that you think about it, even if you were like, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to let it go, you're going to get more and more angry, <laughs> right? So don't ponder it in your heart. Let it go. It's easy to slip back into those foul smells if you keep thinking about it over and over. That also means that you can't keep lists and you can't hold grudges. You just, you can't, right? You got to let it go. It's not what's needed for a close family. And this also means you can't practice half forgiving, okay? So let me explain what half forgiving is. Half forgiving is, uh, <laughs> it, it's when you say you forgive somebody, but then at the first opportunity, you bring it back up, right? And poof, it's there, just like a burst of methane out of your posterior. It's there. It stinks, right? 
Don't practice half half uh, forgiving, right? I know I'm not the only one that does that. You don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. It's, right? Don't do it. This, this forgiveness, this forgiveness that we're commanded, it's akin to God's forgiveness, right? It's, it's free and complete. So I was trained as a, a language teacher, right? And so I got to geek out for a minute. There's a little word in, in your English Bible that says as, or sometimes it says but because, that word in Greek, it actually means it's the same essence, right? That the, the, the creed that we just said, the same essence as the Father, it's the same word that's used here in Greek, right? It's the same essence. This forgiveness that God gave us through Christ, that's the way that we should forgive other people. That means as far as the East is from the West, that's how you have to let go of wrongs. We are to become imitators of the way of the life of Christ. Ephesians was written explaining Jesus' life, right, to the people. And we are called to be imitators of that. We are to, to <laughs> there's, a, there's an old African-American gospel song that says, Walk like Jesus walked. Talk like Jesus. Talk. That's, that's what we have to do. We have to love like Jesus loved. And when Christ did it, he became a fragrant aroma to his father. A fragrant offering of worship. And we as Christians, people who are walking in the way of Christ, we too should have a distinct aroma of offering and sacrifice and praise. God should be able to, to smell and say, that one is mine. And that one, and, that, and you, and you, those are mine. I could tell, I could smell it. And people, people in the world who don't yet know who Christ is, they should be able to smell and say, what, what are you wearing? That smells good. And we get to say, Christ number one. <laughs> right? Like, we are supposed to be a pleasing aroma to the world that smells good. So mosaic, let's inhale deeply and begin to smell like worship. To smell like right relationship. And to smell like Jesus. Amen? You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Thank you.